The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Before we get into the show, fun fact, this podcast was born out of a newsletter that we started way back in 2012. People really seem to like it, and we think you will too. It's a quick hit list of 10 things we've discovered recently that we love. Everything from recipes to beauty products to books to tools to truly anything that excites us. We send it every Monday. We do take some holidays off, and it's free. Sign up at a thing or two hq.com. Here's the show. Welcome to A Thing or Two, a deep dive into stuff we think more people should know about. I'm Claire Mazer. And I'm Erica Cerullo. To share your thoughts on this episode or anything really, leave us a voicemail at 833-632-5463 or DM us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ. And join our Geneva to get into a chat with fellow listeners. Oh my God. We get have into to it. talk. We have to talk quickly about what what our listener name is going to be. I guess we don't know yet. We don't know yet, Claire. We don't know yet. We but don't can know we yet. narrow it down? Or no, I guess we'll have, narrowed, we'll have narrowed not today. it down. We'll have yeah. narrowed it down by the time this airs, I guess. Yeah. On the internet. And then we'll do the big reveal live on a podcast. I, I think And by live, I mean we'll record it and then two weeks Two later, weeks in advance. Yeah. Everybody will be able to yeah. listen to it. It's, okay, fine. It, like, all, like all live things, it's, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's not like the Oscar nominations they choose that morning. No, true. It's People live. are used to it. It's live in the way that Ashley Simpson's SNL performance was live. <laughs> it's that kind of a live. Exactly. Remember when last last week or the week before we saw a picture of Ashley Simpson and we were like, she looks amazing. Like, amazing. I don't remember that, but I believe it to be true because it, she does. She looks incredible. She, she looks, looks great. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, it's wonderful. while we're saying things about mm-hmm. Ashley Simpson, let's add on a really nice one. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, no, totally. She does. She looks incredible. She's married to Diana Ross's son. Who would have seen that coming? Seems fun to me. We saw the cutest Father's Day gift idea the other day. I know it's still... And I know you're looking at your calendars being like, wait, (laughs) pardon, but it is a plan ahead one. It is a plan ahead one for sure. And like start thinking now one. Mm -hmm. So our friend was wearing a fire department t-shirt and we were like, oh, cute fire department t-shirt. But it turned out to be a custom fire department t-shirt that was Moe's fire department. Moe is her nephew and her sister-in-law every year for Father's Day makes merch honoring her son's uh, obsession of the moment. So dinosaurs, fire trucks, whatever. Uh, We didn't actually get a clue as to what it might be this year. It might not be locked in yet. And then she gives it not only to 
her husband, but also to his friends. So like her husband, the whole fam, and the whole family, and everybody yeah. gets it. And one year it was a t-shirt, another year it was like sweat shorts. I'm sure a hat. One time, her husband signed on to his Zoom poker game, and to, much to his surprise, his entire poker group was wearing his son's merch and that was I don't how know it was why why was that so touching to me I was touched it's very cute it's because I it well one it it's so sweet it takes a lot of effort it honors like your son and your kid and it also and honors just like that fatherhood. your friend yeah yeah and that, yeah. Your, that your extended community is part of being a, a parent it no, lovely it's, it's very charming it reminds me of friends who used to have like closets of of like family reunion t-shirts mm-hmm. or there would be like, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, like that whole thing. I think it is one of those things that you only appreciate when you're older. When you're a kid and you're given a t-shirt for everything that you do, like the readathon, the softball team, the whatever, you're like, why what is this? Oh, yeah, it's too much. And then when you're older, you're like, oh, I cherish all of this stuff. It's, uh, cherish. it's special. Yeah. Cherish. We had a really interesting thingies conversation this week. Mm. So someone submitted a thingy that was reading a book while listening to it. I can't remember exactly how they framed it, but there was some confusion over this where people were like, well, one, people were like, is this like reading a book and then going, swapping back and forth between the reading and the I had that book. initial confusion yeah. because that's something you do and I, I understand do do it, mm-hmm. but it has taken me a couple of years to understand it, I think. Like, yeah, I, I didn't get it out of the gate, I will say. Well, I do it especially with romances because romances are so addictive and immersive that I need to live in stop. them. So you yeah, can't I can't stop. stop. So I'm like, I can't put it down, but I must get in the shower. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because that's the rate at which I'm consuming them. And I do it with some other books too. But what this person was talking about, and I think I maybe only knew about it because I'd seen a TikTok about this, was that she was, she's reading while, she's listening while reading. At the very same time. At the very, synchronously. Yes. So the TikTok I had seen was explaining that this was a useful technique for people with ADHD and presumably other forms of neurodiversity, which makes total sense. Even I think just the like non-ADHD, but like average internet adult brain is probably having focusing issues these days. You don't Um, say. Yeah. Yeah. So to me, I was like, oh, I totally get it. And I do have focus issues and I I haven't actually tried this, but I could see why it would be useful. Especially if you're trying to retain information, you know what I'm saying? Not just Mm -hmm. like read a book for the experience and pleasure of reading a book. But if you are reading a book and are trying to absorb facts or if this is like a nonfiction or if if it's like a work thing or whatever, this feels like, oh, I might actually keep this information in my head if I do this. I do really want to try it. I imagine the challenge is figuring out at what speed you're listening to this sync is up with I your was reading. Thinking. Yeah, yeah. Somebody said that it's really, somebody responded and said it's really great for people learning new languages, which I love. Like that makes total sense and I think is really interesting. And I am sure it's for people who process differently, you know, on the page versus auditory, It that could be really helpful, especially like learning how to spell words that you know when you hear them. By sound. Them. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, and no, Or if you know how stuff is written, but you don't know how it's pronounced, you know, all that stuff. Um, Me with many words. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. It also brings to mind the fact that everyone is watching TV and movies with closed captions on these days, which, you know, has the Internet has addressed as a deeply sort of millennial Gen Z behavior. But I think older people, too, because they can't hear. Well, I think older people for sure. But I think older, I think older people, people always have. have. Always done it. It's not new behavior for older people to do it. It is new behavior for 
for our generation to do it. And not just because we're getting older, like in the progressive ad sort of way. Yes, yes. You and I went to the movie theater the other day and the movie had closed captioning. And it honestly took me a second to realize it was even happening because I was so used to it. So now with movie listings, they'll tell you which shows have closed captioning when you go to buy your tickets, which, yeah, was fascinating. It was also... It was helpful in some ways because we saw the movie How to Have Sex mm-hmm. and the characters are British and some of their and, accents are extremely British. Like, and it's not like the British. Queen's English. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, no, they're no. British teens. They're um, teens and they were also mumbling a lot. And I would not... As, ha- as said, teens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would have missed a lot of it. It proved quite useful. But it did do the thing that happens where it spoils a lot of scenes before you read the line. So I my... I didn't love that movie, but the highlights for me and the things that I really took away were these jokes. Like one of the characters is really into just silly dad jokes. And you would read the jokes and laugh at them before she finished telling them, basically. Yeah, yeah. But I also remembered all of the jokes. And I don't know if I would have remembered them if I hadn't read them. I mean, this is the tricky thing. I do. I find that challenging, the like reading ahead piece of mm-hmm. it. And I do get a little annoyed because with myself in many mm-hmm. ways for focusing on the words and not the images because that's just yeah. how my brain works. And this is an extremely ridiculous comp, but at the opera, mm. I hate when they have the translation on the back of the seats, which mm-hmm. is what most operas do at I'm, this point. Because they think staring it's like at the back sh- of the seat. Left is invasive. And I'm like, I'm staring at a chair right now. Right. Like there is yeah. a high production value thing going on over there, mm-hmm. but because for whatever reason, my brain mm-hmm. thinks it's important to understand what they're saying, even though we know the premise of the opera is they fall in love. Someone else is trying to sabotage them. Someone dies. Like that is the premise. Right. We don't need to get into the like granular details of it to enjoy this. My brain's like, but tell me the words. Right. So I stare at the seat and the old school way of doing it, which I learned when I saw the opera in Naples, is that they display the the words above the stage mm. um mm-hmm. so that you're like looking at the stage mm-hmm. while this is all happening and they had that english. does make more sense to me yeah and they had english and italian and it was this like aha moment of being like first of all it's all in one box right mm-hmm. it like feels much more like closed captioning and two because i can see the translation i'm actually kind of experiencing oh that's what that would be in italian in a totally different way oh that, yeah yeah that, mm-hmm. than like a little bit of that learning in context and yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah you're someone who i think is typically good at remembering lines like good lines in movies and tv shows you don't think you are i, I would I think never you're have kind said of that about myself i feel like Thank you're you. better at it than i am i don't know Thank i you so much i like love it when people can remember really good lines i'm so charmed when somebody quotes verbatim like a great line from a movie or a tv show Me too. I'm not good at it. And I do think that having the captions on helps with that. And it just helps you appreciate the screenwriting in certain cases. But yeah. like, is that in uh, at the expense of appreciating the acting? I don't know. Thing. This, this is, the, is thing. the issue. I was watching Mr. and Mrs. Smith, the new one on Amazon the other day, which is, you know, American English. And I wasn't watching with closed captions because I'm not someone who defaults to closed captions. But there were so many times where I had to keep turning it off and on. It was bizarre. I was like, I couldn't. I just kept missing lines and not being able to hear it. And maybe it's the sound balancing on my TV. But my theory is that I do think that acting has changed and the way actors perform dialogue has gotten a lot more realistic and less pronounced and less perfect. Because like, if you go back, even watching Friends, but obviously even older than that, you watch old shows, you're like, this is this feels so dated, if only because of the way that the actors are reading. Because the lines. we're not like, because we're doing the rain in Spain, like yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and it's like we accepted it back then, but it's just evolved because of 
a million different reasons. And what immediately came to mind is I was like, oh, did Mumblecore change everything? Mm. Like this brief niche moment in cinema. Mm, mm, mm. Did that shift like how how like sort of norms and acting? There's we have answers. Well, okay. I don't pay for the Atlantic who I think did like the sort of ultimate article explaining this behavior. And so I don't if they had another answer, I don't know what it was. We cannot be expected to pay for, pay for every everything. for every media company that wants our money. It's just, just not possible. It. It's and just I love not possible. and support the journalism that The Atlantic does. However, I did have free access to The Guardian. <laughs> they say that it is true that how people read lines has changed, but it's related specifically to tech advances. So they said the problem starts on the movie set and decades past actors had to project loudly towards a fixed mic. The advent of portable mics has allowed a shift towards a more intimate, naturalistic style of performance where actors can speak more softly or some might say mumble. Other tech advances have complicated things because as it became more sophisticated, filmmakers started including more sounds where we once would have heard a door slam as someone angrily exit an apartment today. We also get the handle turning, a clock ticking, a character heavy mm. breathing. And it's all mixed with the best possible audio experience in mind, probably at a cinema. But much of that detail is lost when it's folded down to laptops, speakers, television, etc. So I think it is stylistic driven, technologically driven, all of this stuff. But I just think people don't pronounce words as clearly. And I... I love enunciation. Enunciate. Yeah. It's my yeah. only critique of Mr. and Mrs. Smith where there's so many moments where I was like, what? But I love that loved show. And this I think enunciate. <laughs> I loved it. Donald Glover is so hot if you needed reminding. If you needed reminding. The other, <laughs> yeah. Okay. The other thing I was wondering whether mm-hmm. this was a contributing yeah. factor was that we watch more world television mm, these days. Yes. And I'm using that in the way that you would use like world music. So maybe you're consuming Squid Game and you would have right. closed captioning on. And then maybe you're watching Peaky Blinders or Dairy Girls and you're like, well, of fucking course I'm keeping closed captioning on. And then yes. you just, it's just part of the routine. It's just like part of the experience. I think you're absolutely right. And that's streaming. That's Netflix. Like before all of that, we, you know, CBS wasn't showing us so much foreign stuff when we when, no. When, I was before like, is, we had is, streaming. Is, is the British office to thank for the? Is, is that mm. the breaking point for that? That's part of it. Well, the, but in a similar vein, uh, the other thing that I think it was the Guardian mentioned was that it's the TikTok effect. Yeah, because people are used to consuming content that way, where you're like, I don't feel like turning on my volume, but I still want to watch this TikTok, and it's got captions on it. So I think there's just a, a comfort level with it. But I don't know pros and cons. Tell us what you all are doing. I was really confused by the behavior when I first started noticing that everybody was was doing the captioning. But now I now I get it. Totally. Totally. Thank you so much to Charles Chocolates for sponsoring today's episode. So as you all know, by now, I hope I have become a connoisseur of chocolate covered orange peels on behalf of Chris and have discovered that these ones from Charles Chocolates are incredible. We ended up getting to try so many things in their offering. They're so good. I had to text you, Erica, about the what would you call it? wasn't a truffle, but like a, a, a little passion fruit filled. I don't know. Chocolate Claire. heart. Chocolate heart. A bonbon. It was a bonbon. A bonbon. Thank you. Thank you. Chocolate lingo is limited, but you know, here we are. (laughs) So they had these in as a box that had these, these, you know, these bonbons and some of the hearts had passion fruit inside, which I know is your husband's preferred treat. Something for every husband. Something for us. We have some of them have raspberry inside and I love nothing more than a raspberry chocolate combo. It's so good. 
they're all really beautiful. They feel really special and it's just extremely good chocolate. And I am a chocolate person. As you know, you are a chocolate person. You are a chocolate person. Something that you should know is that Charles chocolates won the good food award in 2011 sunset magazines, best of the West award and the best chocolatier in the Bay area by San Francisco magazine. They are committed to freshness and flavor. Charles chocolates uses no artificial flavors or preservatives highlighting the natural and exquisite taste of real chocolate. And if you want to give it a try for yourself, visit charleschocolates.com and use the code thing 15 for 15% off your first purchase. charleschocolates.com with the code thing 15 for 15% off your first purchase. I used to care so much about portraying a perfect life and acting like everything was okay when really things were far from it. I was secretly struggling with my mental health and wondering if other people were too. That's why I created RealPod. Hi, I'm Victoria Garrick-Brown and every Wednesday I host the types of conversations that most of us only have in therapy. RealPod brings you the heart-to-heart moments we all need to be having and will leave you feeling comforted no matter where you're at in life. So leave the filter at the door because it's time to get real. Tune into RealPod wherever you get your podcasts. Okay. Something else that I would like some thoughts and feelings about. I have been realizing that something that I think we both like is the, the like mini restaurant empire. Yes. Basically a like restaurant group that is three or four restaurants. Mm-hmm. There is this great appeal for me that comes from there being multiple places that can mm-hmm. be trusted, that there mm-hmm. you get this sense that there's like a brand and that they're, mm-hmm. they have this point of view and it's not just a single restaurant and that mm-hmm. they're like doing a thing, but, and that you can like recommend it to friends and be like, right. oh, go to any of these three. You're like in safe hands, mm-hmm. but there's not a Vegas location. There's not mm-hmm. a Kyoto location. There's not a Dubai location. Mm-hmm. They're not 21 of these. Mm-hmm. And I came to realize this when I went to New Orleans over New Year's and ate at the like Turkey and the Wolf establishments, Mm -hmm. the Mason Hereford establishments. I will say as I proceed that it's like hard to talk about this without it being very like chef driven auteur Mm -hmm. or like whatever, whatever. Mm -hmm. I will also say that that is not how this man presents anything. Mm -hmm. He seems to like give a lot of credit and that is demonstrated in his cookbook that is so wonderful that he wrote with our friend JJ of just like making sure everybody like, you know, everybody gets, if if this is your recipe, your name is like very Mm, much on it. That's nice. Yeah. They own three restaurants in New Orleans, Turkey and the Wolf, Mm -hmm. which is like the original sandwich shop. Mm -hmm. Molly's Rise and Shine, which is like a breakfast Mm -hmm. vibe. And then the new spot is called Hungry Eyes, which is the the only like seated situation Mm. that is like restaurant-y restaurant. Mm -hmm. They all have this like throwback 80s kind of vibe, but mm-hmm. they're all executed in different ways, which feels like like a fun situation. Different like takes on the 80s. Different takes on the 80s, yeah. which is also mm-hmm. just like fun to like get those nods. Yes. And it's like the Turkey and the Wolf is like kind of like a rec room where you're like, oh, there's like maybe vintage Atari. They have their own version of these like McDonald's like plates where like mm-hmm. the characters are like getting mm-hmm. high. Molly's Rise and Shine is more like Saturday morning cartoons and like mm-hmm. kids toys. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Hungry Eyes is like design 80s it's right. like neon and like david bowie yeah yeah of. like da- yeah yeah G- george michael mm-hmm. prince mm-hmm. like that like mm-hmm. sort of like energy very like music video and the food there is sort of like an like steak tartare with burger grease vinaigrette mm-hmm. is the is the thing being there got me thinking that there are just like other versions of this that we yes. like in other cities and that yes. this is like the thing i want for every city that i visit you know what i mean 
the thing the thing that is very near and dear to us both physically and emotionally is hearts and the fly and servos. And they now also have, so these are restaurants, two of them in Brooklyn and one in, in Manhattan. And then they also have a tinned fish company called Minnow. Minnow. And it's a husband and wife and a pal of theirs. And they, you know, you just sort of, you see the connection and the sensibility throughout all of them, but they're very different restaurants and they're delightful. And there's just a lot of heart, H-E-A-R-T in these restaurants. Totally. The restaurant itself is H-A-R-T. Another it, that we love is Anne Kim's series of restaurants in Minneapolis, Young Joni, first and foremost, mm-hmm. but then her new place, Kim's, which is Korean-American and Pizzeria Lola. In LA, you have Suzanne Goen and Caroline Stein with AOC and Calo Verde. And God, my mom would be so upset with me if I didn't also mention Nancy Silverton's Moza and Osteria Moza. And um, thank you. Um, thank you. What is what That's are, listener feedback had, we don't want? You know, We would have gotten an angry email. What's and she rightfully, has, yeah. Oh, Chispaca. Chispaca. That's her other one. Um, that's her steakhouse. Yeah. I'm she sure would she has mad another. if you didn't talk about her Philly Mark Vetri spots. That was the only thing that I contributed to this segment because I didn't want the feedback about I was like, I knew I would get an email. So it my parents are incredibly loyal to Mark Vetri. He has Osteria Vetri, Pizzeria Vetri, Vetri Cucina. And then, but I am sorry to say, because I know that you, this breaks no, the rules. I, I think this is it. I think we got to contend with some of this stuff. He's opening up stuff in Vegas and Kyoto. I don't know. The thing is, Kyoto has become the new, the new thing, the new move. And <laughs> okay. it's, it's very jarring. There was a restaurant mm-hmm. recently that I like flagged that had two locations. Mm-hmm. One in, oh, 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 it's this restaurant N7 in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. They have a location in New Orleans and then one in Kyoto. Mm. And I was like, oh, they what? have one in Co- Kyoto now. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, what is happening? Who is funding this? What? Who Who do we have to like thank or blame? It's the investors that these are. Oh, well, is why, well, they, yeah, 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 you know, but like who is the investor that's bringing them to Kyoto is what I'd like to know. Yeah. No, that I don't have answers for. You that, know what I need? Is, I'm hmm. going to need Puck to have a food mm. reporter. Yeah, I absolutely need a food reporter. And I'm going to need a report on Kyoto's mm-hmm. uh, restaurant imports. Yeah, that's right. First that's installment. Right. Michael Solomonov has Zahav, Goldies, and Laser Wolf in Philly. And now he opened up Laser Wolf in Brooklyn. He's probably opening up stuff abroad, too, would be my guess. I think so. I, I worry that he's he's done. I think he's jumping the shark. Not jumping okay. the shark, but mm-hmm. in that same way that like Yotam Odolengi used to be mm-hmm. this for me, for sure, mm-hmm. in London, but now definitely has way too many places to, mm-hmm. to count mm-hmm. and too many like spice lines. You feel you like know? these people have sold out. They went with a major record label and it's a well, turnoff for you. Even, like, not even sold out. It just doesn't feel like that like special little discovery, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. It doesn't like to, you can't tell somebody like, oh, you got to go to an Odolenghi restaurant in London. They're like, yeah, I've like walked three mm-hmm. blocks in London. Of course, I understand right, right, this. Right, like, right, it's right, not right. it's not a find. Mm-hmm. In the same way that we used to really love all the MML restaurants mm-hmm. in Austin, but now there are 21 of them. It was like, it used to be Perla's and Clark's mm-hmm. and Elizabeth Street Cafe, but 21 is a very different. It's big. It's a big it's restaurant. Big. Yeah, yeah, it's big. Yeah. Anyway, we need people's thoughts on others. Another thing somebody brought up in thingies that had actually been on my mind because I'm interested. I'm just not going to do it unless someone gives it to me for free. Color analysis. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I think that I think the issue 
mm-hmm. with this and so many things is that we've been presented with it as something that costs money when mm-hmm. it actually doesn't need to. Or like, well, it well, does I, seem to me one of the few things where I'm like, I'm fine with the robots doing that. I'm fine with AI doing this job for us. Okay, so color analysis is what it is, is it's the idea that everybody's sort of skin hair skin tone, hair color, eye color is best suited for a certain palette of colors for both makeup and apparel clothes, right? And that you can have an expert tell you what season you are and what colors you should gravitate towards based on that. It is. And it's for, and it, at its basic, at its most basic level, basic it is four, four seasons. seasons. Although people, All of which you know the name of. <laughs> yeah. But people have, you know, of course, evolved and done their own take on this that is more nuanced or whatever. I always thought of it as a deeply sort of 80s thing because I felt like growing up, you would read these young adult books where part of the a sign of someone like becoming a woman was your mom would take you to get your colors done. Like that was, it feels like a very your colors done is the language. Exactly. Fascinating. Get your colors done. Yeah. I really felt like it was something that when you were in like high school, like not me or anybody I knew, but the characters in the books I read, it was like, that was a sign of maturity that you were going. Were these like Judy Bloom books, do you think? They must be. I don't know. I'm sure I read one book and I'm conflating it with being in all the books, but getting your colors done is something that existed in culture for me, even if I don't think I necessarily knew what it was. I mean, it feels very retro. It feels very current in the sense that it is just Zodiac for vain people who, like myself, who don't really believe in the Zodiac. It's just people wanting to know something about themselves and having their, like, having one, an explanation and and being able to sort of narrow down their choices in life and the way they approach life with sort of guideposts and guidelines because you have some set of facts about yourself that you've been told. There are so many things we use for this in our lives. It's like, yes. don't forget your Hogwarts house. Don't forget which yeah. babysitter club member you are. Don't do not discount the Enneagram. We are all just <laughs> right. trying our fucking hardest to understand ourselves and yes. to place us it, like to find our place in the world by any means necessary. Yeah. It is fascinating. But I think it is also like, it's a narrowing down, right? Like, it, yeah. oh it, yeah. And it's like, yeah, a, yeah, yeah. it's like, I can't help that behavior. I'm a Libra. I think pe- that's really helpful for people. And then just like, I don't wear that shade. I'm an well, autumn. And like eliminating choice. Yes. Yeah. 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 I'm yeah. an autumn. I don't wear that. You know? Exactly. 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 I would like to take a moment to brag. Mm-hmm. I have done my colors wow. when I was in high school. Which doesn't surprise me because longtime no. listeners will recall that one of the most memorable things about me meeting Erica was that I knew within like 24 hours of meeting her that she only wears pink, gray, and black. That that was like, and I, I mean- what a remarkable! I don't know. I don't know. Well, it was maybe partially a result of my. It has colors. to have been influenced somewhat by that. It was influenced sure. by your ability to simplify your life and to That's eliminate true. choice. That's true. That's true. So, in high school, my friend Bridget petitioned for a like fashion design class. Mm-hmm. I really wish I could remember the finer points of this. Mm-hmm. It was like really fascinating. But basically, the home ec teacher then for one semester taught this fashion design class. Mm-hmm which also was remarkable because she was not the sort of person you could imagine coming up with a syllabus from scratch for like one semester. Right. <laughs> anyway, we learned sewing. We worked the sewing machine. We did a lot of like took measurements, worked from mm-hmm. patterns, all of those things. But we also did our colors, which I don't think I had ever heard of before. Mm-hmm. But basically it just involved like there was a pack of fabric swatches and then you'd hold two up 
to your mm-hmm. face. And there was like one that like very obviously looked better. Like it was like, it was like no question, which. Okay. Was right. So this is going to be the next phase of this is that people are going to productize it and you can buy and the kit. kit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think okay. that's right. Okay. Because I understand the idea that people would just be experts and would tell you now I understand that's the way our world works, but it, it really, it did not take someone like having skills, understanding mm-hmm. of anything to hold mm-hmm. up the chartreuse and to hold up the evergreen and to know like yeah, which looks right. Which one you were. And then yeah. you just separate them into piles and then you would mm-hmm. look at the list and it would be like, oh shit, you have all of these, you're a spring. It's um, like taking like a quiz in a teen magazine. Yeah. All A's. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I, if I recall, was mm-hmm. a winter Shocking pink was, in fact, one of those colors. Okay. So yeah. that did at least translate. There were only four options right. then. I'm extremely overwhelmed by the like options that are being presented now, which are like burnished, deep, dark winter. <laughs> but like, as is typical with all of these things, we take something that's like kind of useful and simple and informative and somewhat accessible, and then we make it so fucking hard and complicated and layered that you. How would else need can to- someone be an expert? How Claire, else can someone get paid to be an expert? Believe me, I understand, <laughs> but it's like so. You're like, wow. Maybe we could just maybe we could just do less. Leave it. Maybe we, we could just, just do keep it. Simple. Just leave. Maybe we could just fucking leave it. There are TikTok filters that do this. You told me you tried one. I looked at one at some point, and okay. it it. it didn't, it didn't it lacked work. the ease of the thing that I did in high school that was as lo-fi as possible. I mean, I guess the one challenge is it's like, what lighting are you in? And like, how good's your camera? And oh, for all, sure. And, and they're like, like, stand by a window. There are right. a lot of instructions and a lot of like, and then you're also just like, am I the person standing by my fucking window holding up a TikTok <laughs> filter? You know, there's like the... There could be worse people to be <laughs> than that person. True. You know, it's not it's not full blown serial killer, but yeah, um, no, you could wear socks to sleep, which you do, but twice, two to three times a year. Yeah, sure. (laughs) The other thing, have you heard of the Kibby body types? I don't think so. I don't think so. It's like the same era. It looks like the way it's written is like one letter off from Kibby that like Lebanese food. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So. This is also like kind of from this same era. It was writ- It was like this image identity system per Vox. Mm-hmm. There was a brainchild of this Manhattan-based stylist named David Kibbe who established the concept in this book called David Kibbe's Metamorphosis in 1987. <laughs> Wait, read the subtitle. Oh, sorry. Wait. Discover your image identity and dazzle as only you can. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely <laughs> delightful. So there are 13 body or like image identity types because, of course, mm-hmm. in order to sell a book. Yeah. But they are grouped into five broad families. The families are dramatics, classics, naturals, gamines, and romantics. Mm. Aren't those such like TikTok-y words? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They really so, are. So this has like done well on TikTok recently. The other reason why I think it people are responding well to it, this is like per a site that really specializes in this called the concept wardrobe. Unlike the traditional fruit body shape theory. Yeah, because <laughs> we don't actually want to be compared to fruit, which p- focuses on achieving balance and symmetry. Kibby's archetypes are more in line with, with style essences theory. I don't truly know what that means. What I do know is that at the heart of this is the idea that it's about angularity versus softness okay. and yin and yang and like masculine and feminine. Mm-hmm. So they break down these like, you know, broad uh, families 
like this. Some are more yang dominated by virtue of height, shoulder width, angular frame. Dramatics, so we're picturing Kira Knightley, Tilda Swinton, have more yang than natural types mm-hmm. who are like Tracy Ellis Ross, Jennifer Lopez. Classics like Jackie O and Grace Kelly have the most yin-yang balance, while gamine types like Audrey Hepburn and Lucy Liu have petite yin frames with sharp yang features. On the other end of the yin spectrum, I know these words, it's a lot of words. Are- I'm just, I've lost track of what's yin and what's yang in this. Okay, yin is- Is sharp. Like, uh, yang is sharp and yin is uh, soft. Okay, okay, got it, um, got it. On the other end of the yin spectrum are the curve dominant romantics, Marilyn Monroe, Mila Kunis, who have <laughs> little sharpness. Basically, the like point of mm-hmm. this is like figuring out like that, but then figuring out how to play that up, not mm-hmm. like not balance for it, not like solve for mm-hmm. it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Like I feel like all the teen magazines or Cosmo or whatever that we read as kids, it would be like, you're pear-shaped, you're mm-hmm. here's your here's your yeah. fruit shape. And here's how to make yourself look less pear-shaped. Right, right, right. And this was about leaning into it. Yeah, yeah. We're going to have to do a follow-up episode on this because I'm going to have to do some recon. But I was having a conversation with member of the A Thing or Two universe, Isabel Halley, the other day. And she described someone using a word that I was like, excuse me. And it turned out it was a made-up word that she and some friends of hers had been using since junior high that was part of a quadrant to describe people's style. And she... (laughs) What? It was so nuts. And I'll follow up on it. But it was like, these were basically... They were words that they had made up, like schlemiel, but it wasn't schlemiel. And it was... You, I, you immediate, I immediately understood what she was describing, of course, when she explained. <laughs> but it was like, do it you was, think Isabel wants to write a book that is about discovering your image identity and <laughs> dazzling as only you can? Y- yes. But this was yet less about body type. This was more yeah, about more just personal style. It's more personal out, style it, it, underpinned yeah. by a certain amount of personality, which like what is personal style, if not part of your personality? I think maybe is it we could convince Isabel to send us a voice memo explaining it. You know, we'll see. We'll see. Um, That's at least a half episode's worth of content right there. Exactly. Something else we've been talking about recently. Yeah, It just feels like it's kind of like swirling Mm -hmm. in in the air. The world of miniatures. Yes. This brought to you by the women who've found multiple ways to work miniature spoons into episodes of our long-running podcast. People were not the only ones who talk about small spoons. I think- I I agree. Small spoons are part of our, what was the name of your book? The book about the secret life of women. Oh, the secret life of women. One AirPod, many iPhone notes, and an extra long set of tongs. I think add and a drawer of tiny spoons. (laughs) Yes. Yes. You know? Many iPhone notes and tiny spoons and an extra long set of tongs. Yeah. 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 Great. 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 So miniatures. Yes. Miniatures. Clearly, we think miniatures are evergreen, but they do feel like they're especially booming right now. And you, you coined, you coined. What did um, I coin? Dollhouses are the new adult coloring books. Oh yeah, I did. <laughs> Apparently I did. See, you do remember things people say. You do remember yeah. good lines. Well, I wrote it down. Yeah. I think. I think that was maybe my they, trick. I do think they are. I think they're soothing in the same way. I think they're soothing in the same way. Yeah. I think that like part of this that's happening is like a little bit leveled up Barbie, but like part of it is also just creating environments that we can control. I think that's exactly it. I think Um, that's the big piece of it. I think that's the appeal when you're little too. 
totally, totally. Yeah. I think it has unfortunately the same appeal. Yeah, yeah. I think some questions I had were, did we run out of room decorating in the pandemic and mm. now we need like new rooms to interior design? Or money. We ran out of I room think, or money. <laughs> yes. Does this, this just somehow have to do with millennial homeownership or lack thereof? Mm, right. Um, we can't afford to own our own homes, but we can afford dollhouses. We exactly. Afford dollhouses. So there is a Guardian article. Thank you, Guardian, mm-hmm. for being free. From August, titled A Place Where Millennials Can Own a Home, Why Dollhouses Are Having a Big Moment by <laughs> Nicole Cooley. And there are some really choice moments. In recent history, with the threats of climate change, social unrest, political turmoil, and gun violence, so much instability, people have turned back to miniatures and found solace and joy in tiny things. In a sense, all dollhouses are dream houses, sites where creativity sets us free. And then when everything feels large and unsolvable, we can create a one to 12 scaled universe that we can command. Mm. Yeah. Um, She also mentions in this article two terms that I think Mm -hmm. we need to know. Minfluencers. Mm. And miniacs. Wow. Minfluencers is really, but they're both really good. They're, they're, both, they're both really excellent. Good. They're both excellent. So the like the home piece of it mm-hmm. feels like so core mm-hmm. to what's going on. There's this British magazine called Shrunk that is dubbed a modern miniatures magazine. Mm-hmm. It was featured in FT's How to Spend yeah. It to give mm-hmm. you a sense of like vibe. Yes. The holiday cover has like very Leanne Ford energy. Yes. It is like, it's like mid-century right. or just like super modern in general. It's not the like Victorian dollhouse that people might picture. Right, right. No, it's very chic. It, it looks like, you know, it looks like a dwell magazine. It looks like a dwell magazine. Yeah. It, it is a dwelling yeah. magazine. Yeah, certainly. Yes. And then it also reminded me of DWR's Vitra Miniatures mm, collection, yes. which yeah. I got sticker shock just, just clicking the link. $30 for an Ames rocker. And how tall is it? Maybe like just under six inches. Yeah. But you know, it's authentic. It's perfect for one of those Maylag mice. Exactly. It's perfect for your your dollhouse. They also do that champagne chair competition every year. It's the 20th anniversary. Can you believe that? It's really charming and fun. It's really charming. So explain it. So basically you can use any of the materials from a champagne bottle, except the bottle itself. So the Mm -hmm. cork, the cage, the foil, the cap, whatever, the label of no more than two bottles of, and they get so specific, champagne, sparkling wine, or sparkling cider from any brand. Great. Great. Good to know. It does not have to be champagne specifically from from the champagne region of France. It does not have to be from the champagne region. (laughs) And then they, then they, you know, choose winners and people get gift certificates and it seems pretty fun. It's it's darling. It really it's is. It's darling. It's darling. Two artists we love who do great work with miniatures. Yuta Sagawa, who makes these teeny tiny little vases and and urns. And then this guy that we follow on Instagram, Tatsuya Tanaka. Oh my gosh. He plays with scale so brilliantly. How would you describe? It's like he he makes... He does like everyday objects, yes. but then those those things are like large, but then right. these little people and their like little uh, worlds are are miniature. So there are these little 3D vignettes and it's like a tape dispenser is a giant water feature. And so the tape dispenser reads as massive, like 15 feet high because the little people around it are so small. Um, he does one with a medical mask, like a classic blue medical mask mm-hmm. where that's the swimming lanes. Yes. Of yes. Like the lap pool. It's very incredible. The thing that I was thinking about when I was looking at his stuff is like, wait, are 
are we the people what's tiny or the thing is tiny? Like it's like this complicated kind of thing because another thing that came up recently is Mark Jacobs's 40th anniversary show. Mm -hmm. I cannot believe it's 40th anniversary that was paper doll inspired. Mm -hmm. And at the armory, they had these like four gigantic beige folding chairs and a table, like in like the most iconic, you know, office like chair and table Mm -hmm. set that was a 2006 piece by the artist Robert Theron that the models like walked under and all of the looks were very oversized and they had this energy of just like being pinned on or like the like the waistbands were gaping or mm-hmm. and the wigs were really big and the shoes mm-hmm. had like clownish proportions and it all felt like extremely part of this like dollhouse world of course mm-hmm. but then it was also just like right are we smaller or the things and that right. yeah yeah. Right. Yeah, do we want yeah. small things or do we want to wear oversized clothes to look smaller? And and I guess it's both. You yeah. had mentioned the Jacquemus, the tiny bag. little the yeah, tiny the, little bag, the like comically the small, the Chiquito yes. bag. Yes. And then it also made me think of yes. the Jacquemus, Le Chapeau, Bamba, like massive, yes. massive hat. And like, the, right, like we truly ridiculous straw hat. Yes. Yeah. Yes, we do. Like we want, we want tiny things and, and huge yeah. things. You know, we would be remiss not to include in this segment a mention of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, which I think was my original fascination with, with this concept. You had brought this up before, and I forgot to include it in notes, and I am so sorry. I got to watch that with Cam. I got to add that to Cam's list of movies. I'm afraid he's going to think it's scary. Is it scary? I mean, I well, guess it is ants, sort of. Those ants are kind of yeah, scary. And no, remember, you're right. That, wasn't one of them die? The one ants. of the kids? Oh. No, no, no. The ants. <laughs> the yeah, ants. probably. Yeah, you're probably right. I just, I, yeah, no, it, yeah, I'm still going to add it to the list right now as we speak because I don't want to forget, but I, maybe I'll, I'll look it up on commonsensemedia.org first to find out if an ant dies. Yeah. Make, well, it's, and it's fine for him to see an ant dying. I just want you to know going into it, you yeah. know, you know, it, it, yeah. I recently was looking up this thing, Alice in Wonderland syndrome, which I think I may have had a version of. <laughs> it was a deeply <laughs> introspective moment. I, if you can believe it was not high, but there is this thing that happens and it's like mostly happens to people who are children or teenage young adults. And then you grow out of it where like for kind of no reason and it's temporary, something will shift and you will have an idea, an impression of your like arms being super big or your what? or your arms being really small or your legs or you just feeling really small or really giant like in that Alice in Wonderland way and in that Honey I Shrunk the Kids way I didn't have this exactly I had a weird like auditory thing when I was growing up where it was like for a brief moment I like everything would just sound really pronounced and I would just always be like oh that thing's happening again and it's one of those things where it just happens as kids you think you don't think anything of it yeah <laughs> thought about it and you I was don't like, question it at all it's just your it's it's your norm I yeah. thought about it recently and I was like, first of all, that's weird. Second of all, it ha- like it stopped happening. What happened here? And it's one of those things, kind of like slipping rib syndrome, where you look it up online and then you find these entire Reddit forums of people being like, holy shit, I didn't know what that I had was. no idea. And yeah. here's all these other people who had it. But it it's it's like a sense that, yes, that like all of a sudden you are so small and everything around you is so big, which again, I didn't experience, but it is a documented, studied thing, but I think not. Off. And it's not, I think it's like not harmful enough. Oh, the other thing is it's associated with migraines, which I and like auras. And I was like, oh, maybe it sort of like tracks that I had some version of this and I am a migraine person because, you know, I refuse to say migraineer. I was waiting. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> wait, there's so a word, and, but I never remember it. It's um, so awful. Fascinating. Anyway, yeah. I do. I think Alice in Wonderland syndrome is a great band name also. Oh, excellent I mean, band have, name. 
incredible, incredible. Yeah. Wait, I want to not get out of this, yes, this yes. segment without talking about tiny baby charms yes. um, because there are a ton mm-hmm. of tiny baby charms happening mm-hmm. And like some of them in expected places, like Susan Alexandra does Tiny Joy's Lucky Charms that you can mm-hmm. put on necklaces and earrings, yes. but also like on shoelaces and whatever. Mm-hmm. Harry Cover does this Dear Diary charming bag that is like covered, covered in charms in Cute. a way that it feels like sort of like Olivia Rodrigo coded. Mm-hmm. Mother Denim does this Lucky Charms beanie that yeah. I am truly just charmed by like it's just charms hung from a navy beanie in a way that is like sort of ridiculous but really Mm -hmm. really like delightful and hello adrian does bite-sized dangles that are more in the vein of susan alexander but she does like she's uh very food specific Mm. so it's like you can get a pellegrino exactly you can get a steak you can get (laughs) botticelli olive oil you can get a topo chico yeah yeah you also link to these mini brand magnets which I do recognize these now that I'm that seeing I'm them. It. Yeah. But I thought, do you know those ones that are like specifically all Italian foods? No, they have, that's far too chic. <laughs> <laughs> they're honestly no different than this, except it's like you can get a bottle of Aperol and Campari and like to, a can of tomatoes. They're, I don't know what they're called. They have them at Top Hat. Um, Interesting. Let me they see. also got mini brands. I don't, I don't, uh, yeah, I would like a little bit more history on many brands because I can't quite tell if it is like actually that if, if it is a brand or if it is just a category, I think it might just be a category because they also, this Etsy page has many brands books. So it's like tiny diary of a wimpy kid, but also reminders of him by Colleen Hoover. Yeah. Goosebumps. Yeah. It's really a bit something for everyone happening here. Erica, things. I'm going to get you this minute, this magnet of this miniature Garofalo pasta, your favorite pasta brand. Unfortunately, this one is, is not my favorite pasta brand. It's not GF, but I'm telling they do. I won't eat it. How about we make I make that promise? <laughs> you can get Pellegrino. You can get those Fabria Amarena black cherries like Peroni. You, just all the. Are my Luxardos available? Lux, I think they went with Fabri instead. I'm yeah, sorry. that's fucked. Yeah. yeah. But you Jeez. can get a bottle of Chianti. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, I would like more. I would like more miniatures thoughts. I really do think having like a a, a pantry of miniatures on your refrigerator doors quite delightful idea agreed Agreed. feels fun to me that's That's the the show. show this has been a production of dear media and we are so grateful to the talented team over there for helping us make this podcast happen especially our wonderful producer olivia mead you can follow us on instagram at a thing or two hq if you have ideas for the show or want to advertise email podcast at a thing or two hq.com Find show notes and sign up for our newsletter at a thing or two hq.com. And if you love our show, you'll also want to join our Geneva. Lots of good chatter happening there. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.